Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wise Men Say podcast, it's Thursday, so that means it is preview time. I'm Roy Fallow, not joined by Matthew Keelan this week. He fortunately hasn't fell off his bike, he's not injured himself, he's just going to a gig instead and thinks he's too busy for us. But he's going to send us a bit, which you will hear um, about halfway through the pod, so don't worry, you will get your dose of both of the idiots this week as we discuss a terrible, terrible, terrible and I'm going to say it one more time, terrible performance away to Bristol Rovers and look ahead to the game against Blackpool, which for either international fixtures or the non-existence of Bury, or maybe because of the ongoing pandemic might be our last game of football for a while. To discuss it all, I'm joined by Chris Weatherspoon. Hello, good evening. Hello and good evening for you. And Richard Easterbrook. You almost went for the full David Frost there. Hello, good evening and welcome. (laughs) You can tell you're a pro, Richard. You can tell you worked in the media with that intro. I mean, I guess we have to start, lads, with that terrible performance against Bristol Rovers. Um, I'm going to say, in terms of the importance of the game, quite possibly, maybe barring the playoff final, the worst performance we've turned in since coming down to League One. You know, we really needed a win to get ourselves back on track after a little blip and it was yet another opportunity to gain ground on those above us and now every other team has a game in hand on us as well. So there's a lot of factors why we needed a result, but we just... It was just pathetic, wasn't it, Chris? Um, Yeah, I mean, you've summed summed it up quite nicely there. Um, Yeah, no, I agree. It was was just dire. I I said this at the time to people, but the, the... biggest disappointment was it didn't look like we were having an off day we just looked like a bad team it wasn't like we were trying things and they weren't coming off we just we just looked a bog standard league one team who went 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 away to someone and and got beat it wasn't it wasn't like oh wow like Bristol Rovers have really shocked us there it was just like we never at any point looked like we were going to win that game and um it was it was very reminiscent of well I thought it was very reminiscent of the two games we played at Gillingham before Christmas um, just because there was nothing, there was like nothing really there. There were, there were you, you couldn't really see what we we're trying to do. Um, there wasn't, yeah, there just, there just wasn't really any method. And they, it's it's a cliche to say they wanted it more, but they did seem to want it more. Like when I was watching, flashed up and said that we'd had more possession. It was. It, it was kind of baffling because you were like, well, I, I can't remember. I can barely remember stringing a pass together. And I, I think the vast majority of our passes must have gone back to the goalkeeper because they, they pressed us. And look, they aren't, a, they aren't a particularly good side, but we made them look like one. And yeah, I think I, I think you've kind of just said this, but given given the, the, 
the point in the season which it's came, given what was at stake, it it's re- it really is an absolutely shocking result, and it's gonna be very. Di- the, I think a lot of people were looking at the fixture list, despite the fact we had like six away games out of nine, and thinking, well, it's a pretty favourable fixture list. Now that that game shows that actually you can't you can't really rely on anything on paper because we were absolutely dreadful. No, you absolutely can't. I mean, Bristol had won one in eighteen, and they'd even lost they'd even lost to South End, Richard. That's how like terrible they were going in going into this. But I guess it further proves that we can't take anything on this running for granted, can we? And we've got to be at our absolute best and not just show what we did on Tuesday, which was the absolute worst of the Phil Parkinson era, Sunderland, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we had those two months where everyone's forgotten about that two month spell where we did where we did nothing. And it just that was just reminiscent, so reminiscent of that. And I think we've done ever so well to get back into a, into contention, you know, within within touching distance of the top two. And we've kind of thrown it all away, and it's it's even more disappointing than than anything that's gone before over the last two years under either Jack Ross or, or, or Phil Parkinson. And I feel while it's still redeemable, I just don't think the momentum's well. It's obviously not with us anymore. No. Um, and while we're still looking touch on the t- on paper, it's. I, I can't see us getting into the top two. No, I think top two, if it wasn't written off already, has absolutely been written off now, Chris. Um, in terms of changes made, we all wanted to see changes be made to the side. We got them, and they were all absolutely terrible, weren't they? Well, I, th- I think the thing is, like, because I've seen a few people go, oh, people wanted to change, then look what happens. No, I'm sorry, but th- the, this club should be bringing in players who are good enough to walk into the team and the quality won't... I thought somebody was coming to sit with us there. <laughs> um, why would they ever do that? Um, they, they should be able to pretty much walk into the team and the quality shouldn't drop. Now, we've, we've talked about this, but in January we signed... Well, since, since Parkinson's been manager, we've signed five or six players. Um, and there's only one in Bailey Wright, who unfortunately got injured, who I think you could demonstrably see improve the team. Now, and the thing with that was the defence was gradually improving anyway. So what we needed, we needed players in midfield and we need players going forward. And there's not a single one of them who've come in and looked better than what we had. Now, I mean, to me... Not even Lafferty? Well, on Saturday, you, I was just about to mention Lafferty because on Saturday, yeah, he was great. He took his goals really well. Tuesday night, I thought, honestly, I thought I thought he should be embarrassed because, to be honest, like to have to get hooked at half time because you got yourself so wound up with some some lad from Bristol Rovers who's clearly trying to wind you up. Anybody could he's thirty two year old. Like we've all made a laugh and a joke about how like he's a daft lad and all that sort of thing, which he clearly is. He's thirty two year old and like just have a bit of common sense. He's a married man with six kids. Well, I mean, <laughs> so I can't call him a freak. <laughs> But the thing is, like, that completely... Like, I know people were worried before the game that he was going to bring White in back in for him, and I'm, I'm glad he didn't because Lafferty deserved to start. But that, that completely derailed... The, the plan wasn't working, but that completely derailed us at half-time anyway because we had to waste a sub because we knew that he was probably going to get himself sent off if he didn't. And it's just, like, he's been brought in because he's got experience, and then he goes and does something like that. And, I mean, Scowan came in obviously and to be honest like I mean he was really poor um, I don't think it helps that even through the good spell with Parkinson on the ball we didn't really do much with the centre of midfield the ball went wide all the time like Gucci and Humor are our key players teams have now figured that out and marked them out like 
Gooch is having a tough time. Uh, sorry, well, Gooch has been. Hume's having a tough time of it. But that is also because teams are doubling up on him. Teams are marking him out of the game. When we have to go through the middle, we don't look capable of doing it. And I think, like, I'm not, I'm not defending Scowan's performance. He was poor, but it's, it's been a theme under Parkinson. And actually, the centre midfield on the ball hasn't been particularly great. Hasn't, and there is a worry, isn't there, Richard, that we like teams have sort of figured us out a little bit now. I saw someone make a point. I can't remember if it was in our group chat or somewhere else or on Twitter. So apologies if you're out there listening and it was you. Someone made the point about when we had that little good spell under David Moyes, when everything went through like Van Arnholt and Anichebe on the left, and then teams just figured out, right, we, you know, we're not going to wrestle Victor Anichebe off the ball, but we'll get on get on his touch. We'll make sure someone's doubling up on Patrick Van Arnold, and that's exactly what they're doing with Hume now, and Gooch is out of form, and it doesn't seem like we have what is required to change it, do we, Richard? No, I said it a few, a few weeks ago, if your plan A is working so well, you don't need a plan B. Yeah. But our plan A is so kind of telegraphed by all, all the other sides now. It's like, they know what we're going to do, they know how we're going to set up. We're 99% sure we're going to set up exactly the same as we did the game before with that, with minimal changes um, we, we don't seem to we don't seem to have cracked the way to win games in different ways and I thought we'd done that you know a month ago we seem to have regressed back to the mean where where we're winning, winning in one way only via a mercurial midfielder or a, a lucky goal here and there or a, or a moment of brilliance and we seem to have gone back from where we were say against Oxford uh, you know a, a month ago where we ground out that win and, and won in a different way um, and now look at Oxford they've from there they've gone on a game of winning winning streak of five on the trot and we've we floundered so that's how quick it can change well yeah exactly Oxford's in third now he very handily printed off the league table for us there. sorry Chris no I was just going to say I think bringing up Oxford the Oxford game itself is a good point because although look um, I mean, we were down there and it wasn't wasn't exactly the the most convincing attacking performance or anything, but um, we, like Richard said, we grounded out. And uh, to be honest, it was a great away performance. We went ahead early. I never felt like we were in any danger of conceding, and we, and we ground the result out. Now, the, without without being especially great on the ball, now the problem. You say that. Sorry to interrupt. When really wasn't that like Bristol Rovers battered us with chances? Was it we were just kind of weak in, let, in letting them get through, weren't we? But this is what I mean. Like now, it feels like again, and like I've, I've said before, can sound a bit cliche, but I watched it on Tuesday night and I thought, well, we're second every ball here. Now a month ago we weren't doing that. A couple of months ago and before Christmas we were. Now I think obviously when we went, when we beat Lincoln, when we beat Wickham, we went through that spell and. Uh, the Doncaster away game, for example, like we went through that spell, and we all we all got a bit. I'm not going to say carried away, but everyone was quite happy about it. Obviously, you would be, and everyone started to think this is the real team. Now, actually, if we look back over the 36 games we played this season, there've been considerably more bad performances than there have been good. Even some of those games that we were winning, like the Ipswich game, the first half against Ipswich were absolutely dreadful. Okay, second half we were better, we won the game, but it was. This isn't just under Parkinson, this was under Ross as well. It was under Ross back end of last season. There have been a, a lot more bad performances than good. And I just think, I mean, we've lost, we've lost nine games in the league this season. That's pathetic. For, for, a club of, for a club of our supposed stature in the third tier of English football, it's embarrassing. Well, and we're, being, we're being kept in contention by that. There are other teams who are losing similar levels of games, aren't there? And no one seems to want to go up. But you made a good point, Chris, that I just want to come back to before we move on about 
the fact that we're looking second every ball and we're looking quite sluggish. Do you think that's because of he's made he's made the changes too late in the squad now? He should have been, you know, taking players off with you know when during games a bit earlier on, refreshing players now and again, you know, and they look like they've been ran into the ground, don't they, Richard? And that's maybe having a massive effect now. I think it's you're right, it's the in game management of players when it's fine fine and dandy us playing the same team every week but it's when you when you start making those changes like you know when the game's won like against Rochdale won nice and early make the changes make them you know there's no point keeping keeping your your, your players on the pitch if, if, the, if they need a bit of a rest so just manage it a little better and we've said before that that Parkinson's a reactive manager he's not a proactive manager and it, it and he is just grinding these players down and, and obviously that's showing now I mean yeah and I think even Tuesday night like obviously we're losing the game on that so yeah I think even that was kind of another example of kind of odd and but I would say poor decisions by the way like bringing Will Grigg on for four minutes at the end of the game like to be honest, I actually felt and I know like a, a lot of people don't really have that much sympathy for Will Grigg whatever my, I'm always of the opinion the player never sets the fee so th- he was kind of hamstrung from the start but to bring him on with four minutes to go for his first appearance in God knows how long we're 2-0 down like it, it's as if the tr- it's as if we're trying to embarrass the lad like it, and, it, and then he goes and misses a sitter and everybody's like oh great great and you're like well yeah okay like yeah he should, he should hit the target he should score but that was his, that is literally his first touch and you know what it was? There was there was a ball Semenyo put in on about seventy minutes or something. The flash across the box, which would have been his his bread and butter. And I just I don't understand. Like, look, I'm not going to say the player Will Greg on Tuesday night would have meant would win the game or the last four games, but I, I'm struggling to understand why he's why he's so reluctant to even give him a go. And I think, like, go back to what Richard said, I think this has been a theme of Parkinson anyway. I think substitutions-wise, we've all been confused. I mean, I agree on, on the, in the Rochdale game. The game was over. Like, half-time people were whinging because they were like, got to sit here for 45 minutes. It's freezing. We already know from the game. And we, and we waited so, so long to make substitutes when we had a game coming up at the weekend. And it's just... It... <sighs> told that this is a manager who knows how to get out this division who knows what he's doing in this division now for a period he did look like he did now we're back to what was happening at the start and it just look it's it's not all the manager's fault there's a lot going on above him and whatever else but it's it's really disappointing that we've regressed again yeah it is definitely very disappointing and to go back to what we talked about about teams sort of having momentum now we're looking at oxford who are in third who we thought were out of us really back when we beat them um, what a month a month ago now and you've got fleetwood as well who were just surging up like it's it's hard enough to predict as it is isn't it richard but it doesn't it makes it all the more harder that we our form is massively dropping at a time where not just one other team two other teams are massively surging at the moment yeah it's frustrating it's frustrating to see that the league is still, you know, still quite quite bunched up. I know Coventry are starting to, to ease ahead a bit. They you know they're five points clear, but there's a spread of only of, of only like six points between eight points between second and ninth. That, that's you know, it's just it's all to play for. It's all there. Yet we're we're kind of lose. We've lost momentum, and we're looking like we should have been the ones rising to the top when the others stopped. You know, stopped getting the results like Wickham and like. Like like Doncaster have, 
once once those teams start drop, dropping down the league, we should be the ones nipping in there and taking that opportunity. But we've just gone stagnant. Yeah, and it's it's just a terrible time. We're going to have to hope that we kind of bizarrely we've gone from maybe being able to make that late push for the top two to maybe now hoping with that team that makes that late surge in the playoffs, aren't we, Chris? Yeah, we are. And like I mean, we talked about this the other week. We before the. Was it the last? Was it the last Bristol Rovers game when we did the pot at Fausto? When we said, "Yeah, it was Bristol Rovers, Fleetwood, and Coventry was yes. the next three games," and we said, "Look, if, look how optimistic we were." We said, um, <laughs> "If we win the next three games, we think we'll go up automatically." Now we got we got four points out of nine, and it's got worse since. And like it's it's a bit of a carbon copy of last season, and that every time we've had an opportunity to get ourselves ahead of the pack to put a bit of pressure on teams teams behind us we haven't done it and yet again chasing games I mean looking at the league table there Coventry I mean we're not going to catch Coventry but Coventry if they win the two games in hand they've got on us will be 14 points clear of us like and that that's a club that's in absolute turmoil like so it, it's just not acceptable and like look we've got we've got eight games to go there's a part of me, I mean, obviously, I always want us to win, but there's a part of me that is terrified for if we do sneak into the playoffs, because I'm like, do I really have to go <laughs> all the way? Yeah. I mean, at the, at the minute, I'll be able to watch it on the telly, because well, yeah. it'd be a nice empty ground for everyone to play in, but um, it, it's just really frustrating, and I think, look, it, it, it is, the, the season's a failure, the, unless, unless we go and win eight games out of eight, and we somehow get promoted automatically... I don't see how we can put this this season down as anything other than a failure because it it's it's just not good enough and like it does feel like this is what we've been we've been tracking towards all season. I don't I don't think we've ever ever looked like a team that really stands out. I mean, obviously we, everyone got myself included got quite carried away when we beat Wickham four 0 Wickham Wickham falling down the lead. Look, people did see it at the time. In fairness, people said look like they won't be there and. Where they've dropped out of it now, they're below us now, and now they've got a game in hand. Um, it's just, can you tell I'm exasperated? I can, Chris, I can. It's very, these, these Thursday pods have usually been like quite silly and quite cheery, but these last few games have just really beaten it out of us, like massively. And it's, you're even looking at, we'll, and we'll preview Blackpool in a little bit, but you're even looking at that now being like, oh God, like, is that going to, like, is that going to be like, because their, their form's turned around a little bit, it's away from home, you know, people are dying at the minute, like, there's just no, there's no reason to be, to be, to be cheerful at the minute, but we're going to hear from Matthew Keelan now, hopefully he is able to bring the mood up a little bit, I have no idea what he's going to say, so maybe he's going to be even more depressed, and we will be back to look a bit more at the Blackpool game. <laughs> Hello, it's Matthew here. I'm in a pub in Newcastle. I'm in a Gunner Tavern in Newcastle. Can't be on the actual pod tonight because of, well, because I've gone to a pub in Newcastle. Um, I just thought I'd share a couple of views, anyone that may be interested, on the performance on Tuesday night against Bristol Rovers. It's probably, I mean, we've had a season of pretty incredible lows during Phil Parkinson's early days um, we obviously thought we'd thought we'd got over those initial initial early early lows with with it you know a good couple of months after after Christmas following on from the Boxing Day draw against Bolton but we really reverted back to form 
really well and truly arrived back at early days Phil Parkinson on Tuesday night it was arguably one of the worst performances I've ever seen a Sunderland side put in um, they just looked totally devoid of any direction any ideas any creativity big players went missing you know, Chris Maguire not a single anyone else. Chris Maguire Jordan Willis hasn't looked himself for a number of weeks I wonder if there's something wrong there Oz Turk, dreadful nothing up front Lafferty really getting really poor from Lafferty really annoyingly getting himself wound up to the point where he had to be taken off at half time replaced by Charlie Wyke who's just crap Will Grigg coming on with three minutes to go they probably should have scored the chance he got but what's he supposed to do in three minutes probably looked more lively than the other two strikers did in those three minutes he was on the pitch um, than they did in the rest of the game it's just sort of like we're at a bit of a crossroads now again like we found ourselves all of a sudden saying oh if we beat Coventry we'll go second to now we're seventh which is just like it's just rubbish isn't it really because now where do we go now we play Blackpool on Saturday but God knows what happens after that with the um, the ongoing issues that the globe has at the minute we don't know when our next game might be ours isn't for probably going to be for three weeks after that anyway um, it's, I, I've been probably one of the most optimistic vocally on the pod saying that until now that I think we'd finish second we're not going to finish second now despite other teams giving us every possible chance um, it's going to be a scrap to probably get sixth or fifth place um, Coventry will probably run away with the league now and you, you feel one of Portsmouth, Rotherham um, with Fleetwood you know might be on for a for second place but it's just interesting there was a couple of points raised um, on Twitter the other day and Stephen Elliott was quite vocal about the, the performance saying things that wonder if a, a few of the players are know that they're probably going to be moved on if we do get promoted um, and are they happy to be in League One and I think to an extent, you know, this is the pinnacle of a lot of the squad's careers. There are players here that will never go on to, to a bigger club, given their age, given the circumstance, and most of all, given their ability. And you do wonder if there's anything in that. I don't think particularly that they're trying not to get promoted, but you do wonder psychologically whether it is in the back of their mind. If we go up, I'm not going to be here anymore. And got a bit of a cushy number in some respects, playing for a team that well size of the club shouldn't be where it is but it absolutely deserves to be where it is um, given the way it's ran and the way that they're performing on the pitch um, so it was just something that sort of I know was quite prominent the, those sort of tweets and you saw it I saw it from a few different people on social media not just sleeves and you do wonder whether it's on the minds of some of the players and not, not I'm not suggesting they're doing it intentionally obviously uh, I just think that they're probably not good enough. Um, but, yeah, just a few things that I thought people might be into, foolishly thought people might be interested in. Um, but, onwards to Blackpool. Um, hopefully we don't all catch coronavirus while we're there and uh, probably draw 1-1, which would be, you know, rubbish, wouldn't it, really? Bye. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast and thank you, Matt, for that lovely little contribution as ever. Like I say, I've not heard it yet. It could have been absolutely terrible. But we will look ahead to the Blackpool game, but not before we remind you to get yourselves all kitted out for Blackpool. Get yourselves to From the Terraces, fromtheterraces.co.uk. Our good friend Chris, he'll make sure. Not this Chris who's on the podcast, not the rubbish Chris, a different Chris, a much better Chris. He'll get you kitted out and we've even got the discount code WMS10, that is WMS10, to get 10% off your basket get a lovely jumper a lovely polo shirt or even a lovely jacket wms10 at checkout but lads come on a little bit of optimism a little bit of optimism for blackpool richard can you give me a reason to be optimistic ahead of our trip to bloomfield road they've got a untested manager that hasn't won it yet um, yet, to, yet to pick up victory in his first two games which I know is a very small sample size but <laughs> when you've, you know, it's a bit of a different step you know, Neil Critchley's managed to great acclaim in, 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 the, in the 23 league but as we've all seen before it's completely different literally completely different ball game when you get into league football and he has all of the badges and has all of the, the, you know, the, the uh, kudos but yet to see anything from him that could translate in anything anything successful and on the flip side we've got Phil Parkinson so <laughs> with with all those uh, references and his great CV so that's something to look forward to yeah I guess so I mean <laughs> they have turned around a little bit in Simon Grayson left that David Dunn in caretaker charge it seems a bit football manager doesn't it when you have players who like were with that era sort of like managing now and you did get I think a couple of wins when he was in charge like I said David Critchley the loss to Tranmere on Tuesday which shows again I'm, that's, I'm saying that shows how good they are Bristol Rovers lost to Southend and still managed to turn us over but I don't know Chris are you feeling any is there any green shoots of optimism for you no there is I think like, like look it's still a despite how dreadful we were on Tuesday night and despite how poor we've been for four games now it's still a game we should be going and winning um, I'm not going to say whether I think we will or not I, I just, I, it's it's hard to know what he does now because yeah he's, he's changed it around and, and it didn't work so does he go back but are people still tired or whatever else um, to me, I just feel like we need to we need to get the centre of midfield in the game more. We need to like we we are very easy to figure out, and if 
no disrespect to teams in this league, but if teams in this league with the limited resources that they have, and I'm not being funny, like the, 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 it's not like it's not like they've got like huge scouting operations like the Premier League you can watch like every, like watch like five games off the bat or whatever kind of thing. But if teams can figure us out that's that easy, it suggests we're too one dimensional. So it would it would be nice to see him not just change it in terms of personnel, but like change it in terms of how we're actually going to approach a game. Look, I, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be winning the game. I mean, when we played them at home, like look, we were we were we were crap. We were one 0 down inside five minutes, and we got we got a point out of it. And the, they've been dreadful for pretty deep. I mean, I say they've been dreadful. They're like mid-table, but thirteenth, uh, I think. Yeah, they've been poor for a pretty large swathe of the season, so there's no reason why we can't go there one way, and it's just I feel like with us it's, and it's by nature of the division we're in, we're already ever like two games away from a crisis, and but we're also always two games away from absolute nirvana, aren't we? But we, we always seem to be in between the two, don't we? Can we not just pick a side? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I'm so sick of this league. Can we not just leave this league? Like, yes, we can, but not the, <laughs> not in the direction you're thinking, Christopher. <laughs> it's just it, I like I was sat, I was sat watching it on Tuesday night. I was like, do we, do we have to do another year of this? Like, I watched watch Liverpool last night. So I watched a different sport. Oh, like, yeah. how on earth how on earth is this the same sport? Um, I mean, we're probably the only people in the country who are cheering about games going behind closed doors. <laughs> but no, I I think like going back, I, I don't see any reason why we. Why we shouldn't be optimistic to win the game? Like we're so unpredictable. Anyway, um, I would just—I would like to. See, truthfully, I mean, I've already alluded to it, but I would like to see Greg in the team. I think I don't understand. Like, look, I—I I understood why Lafferty was playing. I think Lafferty let himself down on Tuesday night. I would like if we're gonna if we're gonna go for a new approach. If it's not working at the minute, I don't see why we're not trying the only other striker we have. I'm going to give a, I was going to say a hot take, a, a lukewarm take, a warm take. It's, been, it's, it's came out the oven, it's been out for five minutes, so it's still like quite warm. It's not totally cold. Why don't we get, take a centre-half out and go and go two up front? Ozturk's massively out of form at the minute. I trust Willis, even though you know he's, he's not been brilliant himself recently, but he's our best centre-half, he stays in the team. Him alongside Flanagan, I'm broadly fine with. And let's get Greg alongside Lafferty or why? I, I agree. I, I think the reason he hasn't done that or isn't doing that is um, is because of the fullback situation. Um, Hume's going through a tough time of it. Um, O'Neill, no matter what we say, he's not a right fullback. He's, he, he was shocking on Tuesday as well. Yeah, he was. He was terrible. Like, um, and, and he was quite petulant, which which was annoying. Um, but but he's not. He isn't. He hasn't when he was younger. He wasn't a right full back. So, look, the fact we played him there for about a year doesn't mean he's automatically a right full back. He's going to go through stages where he's like this. Now, the problem is the backup options are well. You've got Conor McLaughlin, who, well, let's let's not libel ourselves, and um, De- Declan John can't get a look in and Park. <laughs> who? <laughs> who? Uh- is this, is this a new signing? <laughs> literally never seen And I wouldn't even know, If he walked in here tonight I wouldn't know What he looked like Because I That's neglect <laughs> He's the one who served us At the bar isn't he? Damn it <laughs> But no I, I'm Sorry to interrupt there Chris But Yeah you're right Do you not think though Richard any 
I know you've been, I think, in, when we've been like chatting in, the, in our WhatsApp group and everything, you've said not really sure about why people are clamouring, not clamouring for Grig, but people are making suggestions for Grig. Would you do, do you agree with that though? Maybe take a set and a half out, put Grig, just Grig up front with Lafferty or Wyke to freshen things up a bit? I'd say give, give Wyke a run up with, with Lafferty, you know, see how, see how that works. I just don't see, I don't see Phil Parkinson, Phil Parkinson putting Will Grig in there, you know, to start a game. Unless he's really forced to, like if there's injuries or someone holds a gun to his head and says he has to do it, and even then he'd probably be so bloody minded he'd probably just stick with it and he'll just go, I'll take the bullet, thanks. So you know, it's like this is the most Sunderland thing ever, isn't it? Like we spent the thick end of four million quid on a bloke last January that everyone was clamouring for, everybody wanted, not not at that price, I don't think, but everybody wanted him, and now a year on, we spent all window trying to get rid of him and even once we haven't got rid of him we've deemed him not good enough to play games and it, it's just it's it's obviously complete mismanagement but I just to me I, I, I understand what you mean about maybe give a bike and Lafferty a run alongside one, well a walk alongside one another but um, I, I, just, I just think that there's a there's a reason Will Greg has scored goals in this division now try and play to those strengths um, but I, I'm probably inclined more to agree with Richard, though, that I think it's more likely we would see White and Lafferty up front than. What I think's rubbish is that, you know, a year down the line, our chance creation is still terrible. Our chance creation was terrible when Josh Madger was here, and he had to create his own opportunities and score a greater amount of, of goals from, from those limited opportunities. And when, when Grigg came in, obviously he needed to be served the ball a lot more than, than Madger was getting to to any to any any to, to match that in any way, which it, which he obviously he failed to. You know, even with Wyke in the team, even with, with with a different way of playing, we're still not creating the chances that that strikers feed off. You know, we not you can't expect a striker to score off every chance he gets. You got you know even like Defoe when he played for us was scoring admirably, admirably off every other chance, which was a you know a great return. So you got to be creating four or five chances for every one goal that you get this is the thing I mean like over the, the two years down in this league the people in charge have just shown a fundamental lack of understanding how to build build a proper football team like we've that's, uh, that's about I think about 26 minutes of your first dig of the ownership yeah. there Chris <laughs> whoever's listening whoever in, in, in the sweep who's listening had 26 <laughs> minutes you can claim your prize Charlie I'll have every minute um, no but literally no, but the problem is so who's the lad from Rangers was it was it Doherty? Was that the lad? Yeah. And like you looked at him and you thought, right, okay, that, that is the type of player that we actually need. Someone who's going to create something. Someone who's got a bit of like attacking intent about him from the centre of midfield. Now, for whatever reason, and look, we, we don't know why that fell through. So it might be that we tried absolutely everything and we've just been unlucky. But then we go and bring a lad like Scowan in who, look, I'm not writing him off or anything, but he looks to all intents and purposes to be a more defensive minor midfielder which isn't what we needed like we've, we've got we've got plenty of them so why and, and we've done this repeat, not just under the, these owners we've done it for years and years and years 
where we seem really, really lacking in in the recruitment stakes. Like people say, oh well, we haven't spent any money, blah blah. But we shouldn't have to in this division. You, sh- you really shouldn't have to. No, look at look at Chris Maguire. He was a free transfer, and he was and he was one who came to us and begged to come. Like we didn't really go and scout him, did we? Like McLaughlin, the goalkeeper, not the right back, <laughs> was is arguably the best signing they've made since we came down here. Free transfer, like. It's not that you have to go and spend money. It's just that you've just got to put the right systems and, and plans in place. And we, we just haven't done it. I mean, Stephen was the one who said it the other night. Well, actually, he said it a while ago. He said, in January, what we need is we need to bring in players who are going to be better than what we've got. And as we've already discussed, we didn't do that. And it's, it's no real surprise. That this is the thing when we talk about changing it around. It's not like we've got like people queuing up who were thinking, oh, they could... They could add another dimension to that it's just more of the same like, you're looking at what, maybe trying to put someone in who you signed last January who's arguably been a failure like, well yeah ex- exactly arguably has well yeah exactly and like and that all that just makes it even harder for him because there's more expectation kind of thing so I mean I don't think it's like a coincidence that our form seems to track with how well Lyndon Gooch does like we are massively reliant on him and if you, if you look at the, the spells he's gone through when he's start of last season, he was excellent. Uh, obviously, we had matches, so it's a little bit different, but he was excellent. We were pretty good. He went off the boil. We went off the boil. This season, again, under Ross and under Parkinson, the first, not up to much. Those two, those two months, 68 weeks, he was excellent. Now he's gone off the boil, and so have we. And if we're that reliant on one player or even one or two players, it's just we don't... Like I look at other teams in this league, and I don't watch enough of it to like know them know them all inside out kind of thing. But they have like a lot of what I would call kind of functional players, where they've got a couple of standout ones, and they've got a lot who are just consistent each and every week. We don't seem to have that. We're quite erratic. I think the only one, and even though he was, he was poor on Tuesday, that we have like that is probably Max Power, who's yeah. who's fairly oh, yeah. solid. Willis was doing it, but he's like I was saying before, he's gone off the ball, off the boil a bit. I think Willis has been like, I don't think all of the signs this season have been terrible. Like Will, Willis has been one of the better signs they've made since they've come down. It's just they're more the exception than the rule. Like McLaughlin, the right back. All summer we knew we needed a right back. Like we were all seeing it. We got him in, and to be fair, I was one of the ones who said, "Well, look, like he played 18 games for Millwall last season. He's played in the Championship most of his career." I was like, "Not haven't seen him much, but like haven't re- reading about him and seen his statistics and stuff." You're like, "Yeah, he's probably a pretty solid signing." Now, whether whether it's just not a right fit for him, but we can all agree that it, it it hasn't worked. Now, and the problem with that is we don't have another right back, and we we just. We can talk about like changing the team round for this weekend or whatever, but the problem is it's just like replacing like for like. But we really don't have, and I think this is why I'm more leaning towards giving Greg a run because he is something different to the strikers we've been playing lately. He is, he is. But I think if if you didn't, if you want to keep maybe just one striker up front, he's got the option of still taking the centre half out and going four two three one. You can get Maguire into the middle again. He's been struggling to affect things in the last couple of games. Maybe he needs does thrive a little bit when he's given a bit of freedom you can bring Gooch back into the side and you know he can still keeps him anyone and I think that gives us a little bit of unpredictability doesn't it Richard yeah yeah I think Semenyo while he hasn't looked spectacular he looks like he's capable of, of turning a game somehow um, you know we need we need we need more game winners we need the likes of Gooch and Maguire uh, 
and and Lafferty to, to an extent to be kind of firing on, on all cylinders. And I think once again we seem to be hanging our hats too much on one or two players to come up with mercurial moments, just like we did with Madger at the start of the season last year and and with uh, McGeady towards the end of it as well. And as we've seen, when they're not firing, we're not firing as a team. Yeah, I think I on some menu I I actually agree. I thought he was one of the few on Tuesday night who would kind of come out with his head held high because he did at least try to make things happen. But not that not some good runs. Yeah, not that many of them worked, but like at least he did look. So that that was a little bit of another dimension kind of thing. I think go back to what you said about Maguire. Generally, one of the best things Parkinson could have done or could do is to drop because actually when you look back through his career here, when he's gone through a bad patch. He's always reacted really well to getting hooked, to getting like took out the team. Um, like I remember the Accrington game at home last season, when he'd been he'd been took out the team and they brought him on, and he turned the game on its head, and he was excellent. And he's one of the, he seems to be one of those players who he gets himself going for a couple of games, and then he coasts, and then he falls he falls off a cliff a bit, and you've got to basically give him a kick up the ass, and like genuinely like the best thing Parkinson could do in my opinion with him is, is drop him yeah that's not a bad shout but I'll never advocate advocating <laughs> dropping Chris Maguire it's, it's like when, when Matthew had to criticise uh, Max Power last season and his head almost exploded it's <laughs> similar thing for me with Maguire but with all that in mind lads we're looking you know we, we do have to win I know it's away from home and team who have recently improved but we have to win do you think we will Richard give us a score prediction I genuinely don't think we will Sorry, guys. You're going to score, I'm going to go for a score prediction of 1-1. I was also going to say 1-1, so I'll stick with that. Chris, is it going to be a hat-trick of 1-1s? Yeah, it actually is. <laughs> like, I was like, before when we were talking, I was waving and being like, oh, we'll win 2-1, we'll win 1-0. But no, I, think, I, I think it's going to be... I, I still think... I think we'll finish between 6th and 10th now, which is a bit of a range, really, because like, only one of those positions actually matters if you know what I mean um, I feel like I feel like we'll draw at the weekend we'll pick up some wins along the way and I think it will pretty much go down to the last day now a couple of weeks ago we were saying we think it will go down to the last day to get to automatic now I'm not sure whether it might just be to get in the playoffs or everything gets cancelled <laughs> and we're talking about this game in December no, because well, yeah, because we'll, we'll end up playing these at some point. Unfortunately, <laughs> won't we? It's going to be the Euro, the Euros, which is supposed to be really fun. Which some of us have got tickets for, and like hotels booked and that. It's going to be that. Where, where you know, like you're going to some games as a neutral and that. If if anybody is in London on the week commencing the sixth of July and would like somewhere to stay, <laughs> I know somewhere doing a really good rate currently. <laughs> Yeah, I might have a deal for you at a hotel in Glasgow, actually, in July. Um, but hopefully the lads will be back on Monday with, you know, in more positive mood. There might be a reaction pod of some kind on Saturday. A few of us are going down, but it's whether or not we get time to. And then hopefully we'll be back on Thursday as well. And Richard has a final thought. I just want to make a final cheerful point. It's been 12 years. No, not, not even that. It's been, it was 2007, the last time we topped a league in the, any of the top three divisions. It's the longest run. By any team in the top three divisions. But previous, the previous longest run was Preston. They went top midway through this season. So that's us. And it's 2007 under Roy Keane where we last went top of the league. And we're Sunderland Football Club. And it's ridiculous. And the, the human race is about to be wiped out completely. <laughs> and that's going to be on our gravestone. Well, that's nice, isn't it? I mean, what's his next contribution? Coronavirus. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well... <laughs> 
Thanks for listening, I guess. <laughs> we'll be back at some point. Who knows? Games might be going ahead. They might get cancelled. But you will hear from us very soon. And hopefully, hopefully, there'll be three points on Saturday. Thanks for listening. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.